When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the latest episode of BCC The Other Side, our recurring winter series, Northern Frights, continues as we take a look at the beautiful blonde Bigfoot of Ontario, Old Yellowtop, and review some snowy Bigfoot videos on an all-new installment of Bryce's Secret Stash. Plus, every week we are recapping each episode of Season 2 of Expedition Bigfoot with our very own Bryce Johnson. To explore the parallel dimension of Bigfoot Collectors Club, head to patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club to subscribe to BCC The Other Side. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode. Can you welcome someone back to something that's brand new? I yeah. I don't know if that really works, but sure. uh, welcome welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club, uh, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host. Michael McMillan with me always is your other host Bryce Johnson and our super producer Riley Bray oh my there it gosh, is you guys there it is that's it one. that's the show thank you so much everybody <laughs> uh, go get regressed we'll see you next week um I'm so excited uh we're breaking format a little bit today because we have an experts episode yes. uh, we have two phenomenal guests on today whose work we've been aware of for a while on the show uh, a lot of you guys have been uh, hitting us up about um, the books that we've recommended, the books we've read on the show. Uh, we're going to put, we'll be assembling a list, an index uh, uh, somewhere. We're going to do this. We have a couple help from listeners, uh, but file these, these two uh, authors and creators uh, in, in your notes, because you're going to want to check out their work. We just reviewed their book, where the Footprints End, High Strangeness and the Bigfoot Phenomenon, Volume 1 of 2, Volume 1 Folklore, over on BCC The Other Side. Um, so let's bring him in. Our first guest is a published composer and maintains an active performing and recording schedule as a tuba player based out of Atlanta. First tuba player uh, I think we've had on the show. Mm -hmm. He has mm -hmm. appeared on dozens of programs, including Coast to Coast AM, and is regularly invited to speak at paranormal conferences about his books. He's contributed to Robbie Graham's 2017 essay collection, UFOs, Reframing the Debate, as well as David Weatherly's 2018 collection, Wood Knocks, Volume 3. Uh, he's also appeared on the hit History Channel television show, Ancient Aliens, and is a recurring guest on Where Did the Road Go? Um, our second guest is an author, an illustrated illustrator amazing illustrator by the way uh folk musician living in pennsylvania his illustrations have appeared in the pages of various books magazines fanzines and comics as well as many other uh many record and cd covers 
Since 1995, this guy has been making music both solo and with his band. Get ready for this. It's awesome. It's an awesome name. Stone Breath. Yeah. Uh, he's the creator of Strange Familiars, a podcast concerning the paranormal, weird history, folklore, and the occult. He makes regular appearances on the paranormal radio show, Where Did the Road Go? And has appeared as a guest. Uh, on many other podcasts uh, and radio programs, including Coast to Coast AM. Uh, 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 Club Scouts of the world, please welcome to the show Joshua Kutchen and Timothy Renner. Yeah! All right! Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's lovely to be here. I'm I'm, I'm really excited. Why don't you guys tell us uh, your voice so we know who, who is speaking here? I think that would help our listeners. This is Tim. Great. And this is Josh McCutcheon. I'm here. Bigfoot is a goblin. We all know. Great. <laughs> no, this is this is Josh. Bigfoot is a goblin. That might have to be the the name of this episode. Yeah, dude, that's a perfect name. Talk about so, kicking things off. Clearly, just going over your uh, the bios here, you guys are kind of like us. You're sort of uh, Renaissance men. You're you you dabble in many different uh, art forms. Um, I just wanted to talk, let's kick this off by first, how did you guys find each other? And then we'll get into your background a little bit, how you got into this field. Um, because I, I can't imagine after reading your book, or at least the first half in a volume one of where the footprints end, that we could have two better guests to really discuss, uh, the realm of high strangeness than, than the two of you. Yeah. So, so how you did so you guys much. find each other? Um, I, I can go with my meat cute first. Um, yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, so, so I remember distinctly, I was, I was trying to get my wristwatch fixed some December. I, I can't remember what, 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 uh, Tim's first appearance on the where to the road go podcast was, but it was some December and it was crazy Christmas, uh, shopping. And I was trying to get my wristwatch fixed and I look down at my iPod and there's that some guy who's doing uh, you know, local legend tripping in Pennsylvania. And I'm like, you know, when you, uh, when you have looked at as much strangeness and Fortiana and oddities, you know, you kind of want top shelf bourbon. And I'm looking at this podcast. I'm like, this is mouthwash. Do I really want to listen to this guy? <laughs> and, mm. uh, and sure enough, um, I, I gave it a chance and it was Tim, uh, doing some of the best damn legend tripping I have ever heard. And just being a real research pit bull, and I think that I wrote you about the entity that was seen at Chickie's Rock, Tim, looking like the Pascagoula alien. I think it was the first correspondence that we had. Oh, wow. God, I'm already have say- two, two questions. I'm already excited. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, I don't know how we're going to keep this under an hour and a half. <laughs> well, well, the funny thing is, I didn't even realize that's what how, how I met you. But like, as I'm remembering it, I, I, I had listened to you on that on Where Did the Road Go? And I said, hey, this sounds like this. And then from there, you know, all sort of tumbled out and we uh, ended up, uh, you know, sharing uh, sharing space on a on a roundtable on Where Did the Road Go at some point. And I guess the rest was uh History, rest was, yeah. yeah, history. Unless Tim remembers differently. <laughs> no, I, that's pretty much it. I think I, um, I specifically heard you talking on Where Did the Road Go about uh, more paranormal aspects of Bigfoot, uh, specifically um, the sort of uh, change in scope on on Sasquatch Chronicles from from the you know West being you know, kind of making fun of the paranormal stuff to sort of accepting it. 
And I was doing a paranormal show on Strange Familiars. And I, I reached out to Soraya because I, I knew Soraya at this point. And I said, hey, can you put me in contact with this Josh guy? Because I, I want to have him on you know, my podcast to talk about weird Bigfoot stuff. So I have a question, uh, and this is probably exposing myself. Uh, I, I don't think I've heard the phrase legend tripping. What What is that exactly? Uh, it's generally, um, I mean, I, I don't know when it, it came into popular use, probably post-internet, but people have been doing it, obviously, since the 50s. Uh, it was like, you know, let, let's go to uh, Crybaby Bridge and and see what happens there. Let's go, you know, th- this house down this road is haunted. Let's go visit Got this it. old house. And okay, so I've done this. I just yeah. didn't know that's what it was called. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then... What's the Chickie's rock entity? Because anything that looks like the carrot stick Pascagoula aliens, I want to hear more about. Well, I think this is the first of many schisms that Tim and I had, because I don't think Tim felt that there was a a comparison. But wasn't the Chickie's rock entity, if memory serves Tim, wasn't it described as a ghost that looked like a mummy with knives sticking out of its head? Yes. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> and it was seen it was seen once in the I want to say the forties or the fifties. A a woman and her, her workmates were going Chickies Rock is a popular uh park in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, right along the Susquehanna River. And she and her workmates were going there to eat lunch, I believe, on a break from, from work. They worked nearby. And they saw this entity. And she described it to, you know, somebody who was writing a book on Lancaster County ghost stories. Well, years later, there was this kind of ghost mania in the late 60s at in Chickie's Rock. Somebody reported seeing a ghost up there, and then people were going up every night. They, they had to have police up there to direct traffic. There were so many people going up just looking for these ghosts. And without any knowledge of this woman, this later, and her encounter, which appeared in a ghost book you know, many years later, and it, this is in the 60s, before her account ever appeared anywhere else, uh, this this teenager was up there at some point and describes this basically this exact same entity this this giant mummy with knives sticking out of its head whoa wow <laughs> that's wild wow. and so were how the, does that in your mind how does that compare to its the... head i'm sorry i just need to know were the knives stabbed in its head or coming out of its head like wolverine's claws never clear i've tried to get <laughs> clarification on that <laughs> when i drew it for my first book i put the 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 knives sticking in with the handles out but who knows yeah it's pretty metal uh, either way. How, how, in your mind, did that compare to the to the Pascagoula uh, alien abduction? I mean, because that, that creature sort of had uh, these lobster claws, if I remember. Yeah, but it had these sort of uh, protrusions that were sticking out. At, oh, that's I right. At least three points on the head. And they described the skin as kind of being elephantine or like a mummy. So I was like, hey, there's yeah, a, little bit of, a little bit of a connection there. Mm. Um, and Tim said no. So that was, that was I, like, I, I have no disagreement. <laughs> I have no recollection of this, Josh. None. Like literally zero <laughs> recollection. Of this. I think I have a blog post uh, on my website. That's so I'll have to dig it up and send it to you. So where did you guys share a common intersection on on the world of Bigfoot? I mean, how, did you guys start talking about that immediately? And 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 where were your philosophies and ideologies on the subject when you first met? And and have they changed since writing these these books? Oh, that's a big question. Um, so I was on Where Did the Road Go with Josh, and I was telling some stories about some encounters I had in the woods with what seemed to me, that, by all accounts, to be like uh, Class B kind of Bigfoot experiences. 
um, something moving rocks around, bad smell, uh, sounds of wood knocks and, and, and like terrible, terrible, frightening fear. Uh, bad. Did I say bad smells? Yeah. Yep. Smells. and and uh really expected just to, to actually see a creature the day this happened and i'm I'm describing this experience and i i get done and basically said so that's my my bigfoot experience and either josh or, or soraya the host or both of them i i forget which said to me like well hold on a minute if those same things you described all of that would have happened inside a house you would have said that's a poltergeist encounter you would not have said bigfoot at all and I describe this as my my sort of um, enlightenment moment uh, mm. because it, I read these stories about like like Zen monks being slapped up beside the head and they they reach enlightenment in an instant and and that's what it was like for me it was it was like being hit upside the head with a two by four because wow. right there I went oh they're right like I didn't see a creature I don't mm. know what it was and it and it was oh now I I dipped my toes in the weird Bigfoot stuff from the very beginning. But my general approach, I think up until that point was it's, it's probably an undiscovered something. Uh, but that was really literally a, a world changing moment for me at, at, when I just realized that when they said it and it, and it just, it rang so true. I just went, Oh my goodness. In, in my head, I'm thinking, Oh, they're right. I didn't, I don't know what it was. Wow. And, wow. and uh, that was sort of the sort of opening me up to, to more, uh, strangeness as regards the phenomenon and i think oh sorry go ahead um josh and i just stayed in contact from there eventually i asked him to to help me write these books but uh, josh can take it from his point of view so i uh you know i I grew up as you know sort of a monster kid uh just loving any sort of creature feature those were my my go-to things and of all the things that i was interested in i was mostly interested in bigfoot in terms of you know unexplained phenomena um, because, you know, of course, it's just an undiscovered hominid. It was the easiest and most palatable, I thought. Um, but, uh, you know, after a while, um, in sort of what I like to do with my research is sort of looking at things that, you know, looking at either th- things that people will talk about in a paragraph of a book, but have never really expanded out to a full-fledged book, or, you know, um, something that uh, something that really sort of shakes things up and makes people think about these things sort of an interdisciplinary and interconnected way. So, you know, as time went on, I became a little bit more, much to my own personal chagrin, uh, sympathetic to the idea that Bigfoot might very well not be uh, just an undiscovered ape. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of my work, at least, is, is sort of always a challenge to myself to uh, sort of put my money where my mouth is or for me to really, you know, take a look at a topic that I've kind of been uncomfortable with for a long time. And you know, paranormal, for lack of a better term, Bigfoot has been something that I've always uh, kind of had a little bit of a hard time with. But once you start, you know, once you start peeling away at it a little bit, the whole outer shell just sloughs off and you're looking at this, you know, weird wild man archetype that's roaming the woods. So um, I remember it was in uh, September of 2018. I just finished my book, Thieves in the Night on Supernatural Child Abductions. And I was sort of uh, well, Tim Tim puts it really well because Tim says that you know once you finish a book you you kind of have got this afterglow but you kind of got this emptiness at the same time where you're like well what do I do now I've been you know working on this for so long and now it's out um, but I was planning on sort of not writing as much because I had uh, twin boys on the way but I'm at the beach and uh, Tim writes me or texts me uh, and says hey uh, let's do a book on weird Bigfoot 
And from then I signed on because I was like, yeah, let's just go ahead and do it. I'd never co-authored a book with anyone. And uh, so this was a good opportunity to do that. And, you know, I wouldn't partner up with just anyone. But uh, between Tim's writing style and the way that he's just absolutely a beast when it comes to research, I said, this is someone who I'm you know, willing to willing to associate with, <laughs> so to speak. Um, I think the project turned out a little bit different than Tim's original vision, though. Mm. How so? Uh, I think if I would have done it alone, and and I'll say from the outset, Josh was right. And I, it's, Josh was right in the way to approach it. I'm, I'm glad it took the format it did in the end. But if I had done it alone, it probably would have been more like an encyclopedia. Like you get these, you know, the encyclopedia of Bigfoot or whatever, you gotcha. know, A is for astral projection, B is for whatever, it's, you know, and I probably would have done it like that. Uh, but uh, this way, I think, is is uh, much more impactful. And and Josh was right. Um, I didn't fight him much on it. I think Josh said, "Look, if we're going to do it, I want to do it like this." And I thought about it for a bit, and I'm like, "Okay, let's do it like that." And uh, like I said, in the end, uh, he was absolutely right in, in this approach. I love the format of the book. Uh, for our listeners who haven't checked out, uh, volume two is recently out, and we haven't actually read that yet. Um, but we'll we'll definitely check that out. The, 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 the book is sort of set up eight chapters and the eight chapters almost read as their own. You could almost read any of those on their own. You know, they obviously feed into one another, but it's almost like eight essays, you know, on a certain aspect of, of Bigfoot and high strangeness. And I thought that um, your guys' writing styles really complemented one another really well. There were a couple of times I'd have to flip back and go, OK, who's writing this, Josh or Tim? You know, um, so I thought it came together really, really great. Well, we didn't really know how to write a book with someone else. <laughs> Either mm-hmm. of us, you know, I, I, I think about, you know, writing duos that I've had in the past, and there really hasn't been a byline by a specific chapter or anything. They've all sort of melded together. Um, but I think sort of allowing these different uh, topics to sort of nest in our areas of expertise or our areas of passion, as it were, uh, was a really good idea. And I think probably the reason that there seems to be such a good flow in between is because even though, you know, I wrote chapter X and Tim wrote chapter Y. Um, there was a lot of us saying, hey, did you know about this? Hey, have you looked into this? Hey, have you thought about it this way? And that just sort of ended up getting a little bit uh, mushed together. But I, I thank you. I, I think it turned out well. For it's, it's, it's the only way that I think we could have written it, actually. Yeah, most definitely. I want to speak to just a couple of things you both said. I mean, first you, Timothy, that if I had to distill sort of the the one germ of truth that when I'm talking to somebody about this book, I'm like, you know, I explain it like this, you know. Uh, I, I love the idea of the wildness geist, right? And it, it, and and it, it, I can totally see why that was an aha moment because I, I can get, I can tell somebody who doesn't know anything about strange book Bigfoot, and I can give them that sort of a that primer explanation. You know how a poltergeist in a house is is knocking on doors and discarnate voices and and sometimes uh, visible specters and just imagine that outdoors and then they go oh so it's such an easy way and 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 it's usually those things where where you can find the most most truth like you said it beat you over the head with a with a two by four and i just loved the idea of that and then josh to speak on on what you were saying i think that drives at the heart of what we love about high strangeness is finding these details that that people like to leave out or like to not talk about because they don't sort of fit into how they want to tell the story. And I think, you know, for me personally, and I know Mike as well, it's like those, that's where the the fun stuff is, right? Because I think in exploring those ideas, 
um, you're going to get closer to the truth. Just to give an example of what we're talking about, you know, the Ape Canyon thing, the the Fred Beck uh, story, you know, and I heard you guys talk about this. So many people don't realize that, uh, you know, Fred Beck was sort of a, a spiritualist at heart, and he saw and he saw a, a specter and a and a woman sort of point him away to his to his gold mine. And so there's so much more side of the story that nobody talks about when they talk about that incident. But why, why is it these strange details often containing paradox that is going to help us get closer to the truth of, uh, of, of what's really taking place in the world? Well, you know, I, I, I suspect that the real value and the real strength in a lot of these unexplained topics lies in its consistency rather than, you know, the veracity of any single account. Um, Um, The fact that you have somebody, you know, like Fred Beck, who's talking about stuff that would have made complete sense to someone in the Theosophical Society (laughs) in London, you know, uh, 30 or 40 years later, earlier or whatever, um, I think is really interesting because it does point to the the possibility or even dare I say probability that there is some sort of objective external reality to these things. Um, Mm. Tim, you got anything to sort of piggyback on that? Yeah, I mean, I th- we talk a lot about weird washing, which is done so often in, uh, especially in Bigfoot. There's so many stories where there's weird details and and other things happen, and these cryptozoologists are so eager to prove this to you know quote unquote mainstream science that they just well we'll just leave that out. We'll just we're not going to talk about UFOs. We're not going to talk about orbs. We're not. We're just going to talk about this ape man. Yeah. And uh, to me, Ape Canyon was the single best example of that, because this is a story I've heard my entire life. I've been interested in Bigfoot my entire life. I've read all these books. I read, you know, about Ape Canyon in, in I don't know how many, you know, books about Bigfoot, just just sort of, you know, overviews of the phenomenon or whatever. I'd heard the story on I don't know how many radio shows and podcasts. And never until I read Fred Beck's own account and he was there, did I get any hint of all this weird stuff that was going on there. And uh, it's to me, it's the single, you know, best example of of this weird washing phenomenon of of which there is no shortage of uh, other examples. I'm trying to remember if we left it out when we covered Abe Canyon on on our podcast. I think you talked about it, Mike. Yeah, you definitely mentioned it. Yeah, because I found that in the research and sometimes, too, I think it's. You know, it just comes down to time. Like, how do I crystallize this, you know, the cliff notes of this story? But, you know, I think that's a great example. I love that term weird washing. You know, the other example that immediately comes to my mind is all the weird shit that happened to Betty and Barney Hill after their alien abduction, all the poltergeist activity they had and all the poltergeist activity that um, abductees like. Debbie Jordan Cobble, you know, the Copley Woods incident that she experienced, you know, seeing orbs like fly in through the television, you know, like months or even years after um, uh, her abduction experiences or seeing this image of of a little girl, the specter of a little girl that might have been her alien human hybrid child, you know, showing up. And that was just Barty and Barney and Betty. She had prophetic and psychic dreams before the abduction. Yes, yes, exactly. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm I'm skipping in and out of two different abductee stories. Yeah. But yeah, Betty had stuff her whole life. So how much have you guys found in the Bigfoot uh, area that witnesses who have encountered 
you know, a Sasquatch or a big hairy monster, whatever you want to call it, have had a predilection for for psychic activity in their lives leading up to that? Oh, I mean, so I, I I'm the local Bigfoot guy. If if somebody sees Bigfoot in York County, I'm, I'm usually the guy that gets the call. <laughs> so I talk to a ton of witnesses and it's talking to these witnesses like like to take the woman in white uh, chapter in volume one as an example that was the thing that really convinced me that, that like, yes, this is a thing because the number of witnesses I talked to. So I, you know, I go, I do the normal Bigfoot stuff. I look for prints. I go, you know, how tall was it? You know, where was it standing? This, I, you know, what was the weather like when you saw it? Blah, 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 et cetera. And, uh, I'm lucky enough where, where this is my job. So, so if somebody sees Bigfoot, you know, in York County, I can be there the next day usually and talk to them. So a lot of this time I'm getting this information fresh, but, but after they're done talking, I never interrupt the, the Bigfoot story. Let me get the Bigfoot story. Whenever they're done, one of the questions I ask is, okay, what else weird is going on around here? There's several mm-hmm. follow-up questions I ask, but that that's one of them. The number of witnesses who tell me, oh, well, my house is also haunted. <laughs> uh, you know, my, I, I have poltergeist activity in my house or, you know, I also saw this, this ghostly figure here, or I've seen UFOs is, I mean, if it's not a hundred percent, it's darn close, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's incredible. And that's what really started me, you know, this woman in white thing, the number of witnesses who told me like, Oh yeah, I saw a ghost. It was this woman in a white dress who walked in my driveway, whatever it was. Um, it's, it's just been, been incredible. So it's, you know, I think the, the, consensus consensus in the past was that repeat witnesses barely ever happen. This stuff is odd enough as it is, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I kind of think it's almost the opposite. Now I, it's very unusual for me to run into anybody that has just experienced one thing. And this is borne out on my own podcast as well. The number of witnesses I talk to that, you know, they'll say, Hey, I, I saw Bigfoot, but you know, during the course of the interview, they say, well, let me tell you these 10 other things that happened to me or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. I, I think we can relate stuff. to that, you know, like Definitely. Bryce and I have both, you know, I've seen what I would call UFOs. I've seen what I call a ghost and I've seen what I might consider to be uh, an alien gray or something looking mm-hmm. like an alien gray. Yeah. So, you know, like now that the, there there are years, there are decades in between those encounters, but um, which makes me just worried what's coming down the pipeline in another decade. <laughs> but uh can you just touch elaborate a little bit more on the woman in white thing, just because uh, that's something we haven't really talked on the main show about, um, uh, which I found fascinating in the book. Okay. So I'm going to jump in here with my usual, my <laughs> usual self deprecating disclaimer and Tim knows exactly what it's going to be. But, um, <laughs> uh, but when Tim came to me with this woman in white connection, he goes, have you ever noticed that, that people who see cryptids sometimes see a woman in white in close proximity and, you know, time or, or the area and i said tim i don't know what you're talking about but there is absolutely nothing to this and um you know flash forward about a year later and it's the best damn chapter in the book so <laughs> tim take it away wow well for me what got my attention there was a these two folks on sasquatch chronicles these two brothers that were telling their story and uh saw a bunch of creatures etc cetera, etc cetera, around their houses had had the typical you know, around the house experience where they're climbing on their roof and knocking on their walls and et cetera, et cetera. 
uh, Wes, the host, some months later, does does an update, may, maybe a month or two later. And he says, I talked to these guys again, and they told me all this weird stuff, including that they're seeing this this old woman walk around their neighborhood, this very hag-like woman who wears white, and she has these shoes that are too big for her, her feet, and you know, tells this whole very, very strange story as regards to the, this, this, and this other entity, this, this woman in white that they're seeing who they assumed at first was just like a homeless woman or something. Very, very interesting to me. Uh, these, these sort of other things. And then I was on like the forum, I think the Susquehanna Chronicles forum and a bunch of other people were on there saying, you know what? I saw this weird woman wearing white. And then I drove down the road and saw Bigfoot. You know, and the, people started chiming in with these other encounters. So I follow this kind of stuff in the back of my head. I, I like, you know, nerd memory for this stuff. I'm like, this is this is of use at some point. I'll I'll put this mm-hmm. away. And then uh, again, I I started. You know, local witnesses started telling me about it. Um, there's a there's a fellow who saw uh, two Bigfoot on his property, and I went to see him. This is one of the ones where I got there within days of him seeing it. Probably, I think either the next day or, or, or two days following. And uh, did all the, the, the normal stuff. And uh, I mean, this is so difficult to talk about the paranormal in general. I always tell people it's a, it's a spider web. It's not linear. It's not just one line. So when you, when you talk about one thing, you're, you really have to talk about 10 other things. Um, this is right in the middle of an, another strange a group of events that happened where I started finding skulls on 80%, if not more of the Bigfoot investigations. I went on nice, clean uh, skulls, most, most often deer skull, but other... okay, I was going to say human. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so casually. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> but when that day comes, uh, who knows what happens? Yeah, but, we got uh, a problem, <laughs> but this, is, this <laughs> is one of the places where I found a, a perfectly clear deer skull. When, when the guy told me the creatures were standing across a pond on his property, I went over there. I'm holding up my walking stick, you know, how high were they, all this stuff. And, you know, he told me exactly where they were standing. He wouldn't come across the pond. He was standing over by his house where, where he saw him. He didn't want to go over there. But anyway, when he, we were done all this, I looked down. There's a perfectly clean deer skull at my feet, right where the creatures were standing. Uh, in any case, I talked to him and uh, he starts telling me, you know, done the Bigfoot stuff. Okay, what else is weird here? He starts telling me about uh, all this ghost activity and poltergeist activity having around his house and orbs and starts showing me some really, really interesting pictures of, of ghosts that he took. Some of which uh, he said there were biker ghosts around his place. That's how he described them. Awesome. Well, he showed me the pictures and to me, they look like Bigfoot. They didn't look bikers at all. He's calling them bikers. they're, They're big, hairy things. And he's saying that the big eyes were, were sunglasses. Well, I'm seeing just, you know, big old Sasquatch eyes. Now I'm seeing Bigfoot in like leather chaps and, and a bandana and Oakley's. Yeah. And it's going to be hard to get that image out of my head. Just firing up his hog. And the <laughs> he's a, he's, he's, he'd definitely be uh, one of the baddest guys in, in, the, <laughs> in the gang. But, uh, but no, they're like very kind of smoky, ghosty, you know, ephemeral ghost-like figures, but they look, they look like, you know, Bigfoot faces to me, these things that he's calling bikers. But anyway, he says, well, I have this other picture of this, this ghost I took in the mirror and he shows me and it's, it's a, it's a woman in a white dress, a plain as can be. Uh, some of these other ones were very kind of ephemeral and smoky and your, your typical kind of ghost shots. This was a, you know, very clear shot of a woman in a white dress. Hmm. And, 
I went, wow. Like, so he didn't even, I didn't ask about women in white and I, and I try not to ask outright about it. Other witnesses, you know, like I said, the one uh, guy saw, he had all these Bigfoot type accounts going on around his house, saw a, a spirit in white walk up his driveway. I met another witness in Michaud State Forest um, in Pennsylvania who less than a mile away from his uh, his encounter, he took me to a place called Pond Bank. And Pond Bank has this legend called the White Lady of Pond Bank who supposedly drowned her child in, in the pond. The, the town is named after the, the actual pond there. And uh, this was, again, less than a, less than a mile away, probably three quarters of a mile away from his, his very, very intense uh, encounter he had on the mountain there. So I started thinking, well, this is a thing. This is like, I'm not making this up at this point. This is too much. And uh, started doing research for it, for the book. And I'm finding little bits here and there, and I'm 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 not really making the connection with the wild man necessarily. So I just started looking up these women in white apparitions, and there's some very famous ones in Austria. The the, uh, the royal families would uh, they would see these women in white figures, and they took them as as uh, signs of impending death, kind of like a like a banshee. So right. if a fam- family saw this woman in white, you know, like somebody in the royal family was going to die. And they named one of them. They said that her name was Ursula, which happens to be my, my daughter's name, by the way. But uh, and they said that uh, this was connected to the medieval form of Perkta, which yeah, was this we other. We just talked about that, yeah. Yeah, we just covered Perkta on. Uh, <laughs> I got to say, there was like a lot of like reading your book. I was like, oh my God, we are talking about all of this stuff right now on the podcast. There's yeah. been a lot, or or on our Patreon. There's a lot of like synchronicities. Yeah. So we just talked about, we did a whole episode on Perkta on, on, on the other side. Yeah. So, so Perkta is this woman in white. She can appear as an old hag or a young woman. You've probably went over all this stuff. But she has this this retinue that follows her around and is composed of, of two different things. One is the the Heimchen, which were the souls of the dead children that she led off mm-hmm. into the woods. And those took the form of like will of the wisp lights, like orbs. Wow. And the other part of her retinue was called the Perkton. And these were wild men. This mm-hmm. was there you a, go. a group of the hairy Krampus wild men. Kind of, kind of Krampus style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beastie guys. Yep. And and that opened it up for me. It was from that point. It just, I just went, yep, this is a thing. And then I started finding all of these different folkloric wild men all over the world. And they're often they'll, they'll say their wife or their, their counterpart or, or their helper is this woman in white. There's the, the apple tree man in England is a sort of a wild man of the, of the orchard. And he has a, an old woman in white that, that helps him guard the orchard. There's the uh, Sasa Bansum, I think, uh, is in um, Apollonia. And that he was called the friend of witches, and he had a his counterpart was this this white uh, ghostly kind of figure, um, the Russian uh, Leishi or Leishi, I think it's called. <laughs> his, his counterpart, he's a wild man of the woods. His counterpart's this woman in white. So it, it it starts appearing everywhere. I haven't found one in Asia yet, to my knowledge, mm. um, but. This is reminiscent of reading the book, reference after reference. I mean, obviously, you guys know this stuff so well and have, and have done your homework. That's amazing. I mean, it it got just going through 
the bibliography of, of, of this book is so incredible too. It made me want to, you know, have you guys send me a picture of your bookshelves just to see what, <laughs> just to see what we're, what we're looking at. Um, how much of that d- takes place into your re I mean, you know, w- what do you guys, where do you guys get most of your stuff? I know it, what I loved about it too, was like you guys pulled from podcasts and radio shows and it, it really made for a, a diverse and, in, and inclusive bibliography. But, uh, uh, can you guys tell me a little bit about, well, actually, you know, before I ask that question, uh, this is totally switching gears. Josh, I wanted so to, add- to see where this goes. Bryce. Oh yeah. Well, we can pick back up on it. I wanted to, uh, to ask Joshua Cutchin a, a question before I forget it, you know? Um, and this kind of has to do with uh, gift offering and and the Fay, and we were sort of joking about last time on the show if 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 Michael could, you know left some offering out on the balcony of his apartment, what might come by? And can you talk a little bit about um, gift offering between and and the similarities between Bigfoot and Fay, and and uh, and 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 maybe even speculate what would happen if we left an offering in a city environment? Would we get an alien? Would we get a Bigfoot? Or or how how does that work? <laughs> That's a big fucking question. Wow, you really you're all over the map <laughs> today, Bryce. I got to get it in in my hour now. There's so much rattling in my mind. Well, the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> all the above. No, um, <laughs> I. I'm struck by the number of accounts. Um, there's a the Fairy Investigation Society has been uh, kept alive uh, by a scholar friend of mine, and uh, every several years he puts together a fairy census, and uh, you can actually look up the fairy census. I think 2014 was the last one. He's getting ready to release a new one. Um, but uh, it's you know accounts from people in the current day and age. And I'm always struck whenever I look through it by the number of people who see a fairy in a garden in a metropolitan area. Mm. It's just the tiniest uh, little sliver of land. I think you you mentioned the quote last time from a former Sorbonne uh, historian of medieval uh, history, Claude Lecouteau, who described the the forest as sort of a, a conservatory of paganism. And it really does seem like Literally, if you've got, you know, a three by three patch of grass, there can be uh, some sort of elemental spirit or nature spirit or genus loci there. Sometimes you'll see in documentaries um, of, uh, especially in I'm thinking Scandinavia, uh, where they'll actually, you know, they, they'll they'll divert an entire road project around a, a fairy tree or a fairy boulder or something. And, you know, the metropolitan, you know, the metropolis rather will build up around it. <laughs> And wow. it's still standing there and nobody, you know, everybody has a real respect for it. Um, that's especially common in Iceland. But, uh, you know, as far as what you get or what to expect, um, the headspace that I'm in right now is having a really difficult time differentiating uh, fairies and, you know, what we call extraterrestrials and honestly, the dead and mm. spirits and all these things. Um, That's so funny. You mentioned that Josh, cause you know, um, our listeners know this well, I won't go into too much detail, but what I considered to resemble an alien gray that was looking at my window in the middle of the night and woke myself up and my dog who saw it and started barking, it was standing, uh, you know, I live in here in Hollywood and we, you know, it's, it's the Hollywood Hill. So there's some greenery around, but um, it was literally standing in like a three by three patch of, of earth. That's like the only little bit of earth I have (laughs) next to my uh, apartment. 
So I hadn't thought about that before. And but I did definitely have this idea, and the boys know this, and our listeners know, you know, my gut has always told me. I don't feel like I saw an alien. I feel like I, I saw something that was more akin to like a leprechaun, like something mm. that like was passing through. That's part that is sort of terrestrial in a way, but I wasn't supposed to see it, you know? And when it became aware of me, it, it, it ran off. It vanished basically. Yeah. That, that's fascinating. I, I just, I can't, I'm at the point, especially with the, the fairy alien thing, that I think that they're both describing the exact same phenomena. They're just approaching it from different cultural perspectives. Um, uh, and I have receipts for that. So if anybody wants to come after wow. me for that, I can defend that position. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. You look at leaving out offerings for Santa Claus, leaving out offerings for, you know, the ancestral dead, leaving out offerings for the wild hunt, you know, the host of the spectral army that flies to the sky with Odin at the, at the, at the, the front of it, leading out, leaving out uh, full meals uh, for you know uh, Mar- Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus at Christmas Perkta, yeah. Yeah. Right. as well. You got to leave porridge out for Perkta. Yeah, so it's it's. I think it really is all sort of describing the same phenomena as as you know as far as what would happen. Um, I have. A, I'm not going to give too much away because I don't want to steal Soraya's thunder. But I have in an upcoming uh, episode of uh, Where Did the Road Go. A description with, uh, you know, lo and behold, something actually happened to me. Uh, it sounds like it might have been a little bit of poltergeisty kind of house spirit phenomena that um, after being told in a dream to offer black licorice, Tim's, Tim's like, what? I haven't heard about this yet. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, after, being, after being told in a dream to, to put out an offering of black licorice, um, it completely stopped. Wow. So, uh, so I, you know, I think there's a, there's a sense of, of supplication for, for these things as far as what, what actually happens to the food, you know, you'd be hard pressed to, uh, to find someone who's like, I put out porridge. And when I woke up the next morning, the porridge was all drunk, you know, or it's not, it doesn't really work that way. Um, doesn't work that way in magical practice. Doesn't work that way when making, you know, offerings, if you have an ancestor altar or something, doesn't work that way either. Um, but the one thing that everybody agrees on is that you, you, you toss it out, you, you take it back to earth. Or find some other way to, you know, sort of naturally dispose of it. The last thing you want to do is is to eat it. There are tales and um, tales from Ireland of, you know, leaving out milk for uh, the fairy folk, or or you know, in Cornwall, leaving out milk and bread for the pix for the uh, pixies, and a cat coming along the next day and drinking it, and the cat getting sick. So <laughs> the general idea is that there's some sort of uh, metaphysical essence that's in mm. the food. Dad's taken out. What's a warning? This is a warning to dads across the world that, you know, leave the leave that plate. <laughs> well, and, and, and of course, you know, and, and I, I'm completely sympathetic to the skeptical interpretation that like, well, that's really convenient. <laughs> but yeah. Nothing happened to it. So, oh, it's the essence of the food. I guess but I fuck it, up every yeah. Christmas. I'm always eating the cookies and drinking the milk. I'm like, oh, yeah, shit. That's for Santa. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I mean, I would add to what Josh said, just like to me gifting is such an efficient way to interact with with the other whatever it may be that wow. i wouldn't put it on my on my balcony i'd go somewhere else and do it wow, wow. don't yeah. bring much at home that's interesting yeah, so Tim had, uh, Tim had yeah. an interesting little interaction with uh was a little bottle of wine and a stump right tim yeah, it's part of a, a huge story. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. let's, let's talk about that in the second half of the show. We we do need to take a quick break, but before we do that, I want to ask you guys. Um, you know, you both mentioned you were you were you were monster boys. You were into Bigfoot growing up. When was the moment where you guys went from being 
casual uh, fans of these stories into like, oh, now it's my job. Do you, do you remember the moment that you transitioned into that point? Josh? I'm... Well, for me, I mean, it was, so I wrote my first book, A Trojan Feast, during the summer while having a desk job at the University of Georgia. Mm. Um but it was the sort of thing that I realized pretty quickly after apply, after leaving that job and applying for other jobs that I was getting through the job application process and it was getting to a certain point where they're like, hey, maybe we should Google this guy. And they start seeing that my name's attached to all this crazy shit. <laughs> so, you know, I, you, kind of, you kind of have a have a moment there where you're like, well, I'm kind of, you know, sullied by this already. I might as well double down on it. So I guess sometime uh, around 2015 or so, um, but, you know, thankfully, you know, I'm able to still uh, freelance as a musician and teach lessons and that sort of thing. Uh, it's interesting. The, the, uh, the UFO folks are like, what's the tuba about? And all my musician friends are like, what's this UFO shit about? Right, <laughs> so, right, yeah. right. I'm, I'm sure. always the most interesting person at parties, guys. I'm sure Riley can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. You just got to start leaning into it at some point. How about you, Timothy? What, what, when did it crystallize for you that, that this stuff is more than just an interest? Uh, so my first book was started out. It was going to be sort of a magazine article. It wasn't going to be a book. And, and as I'm getting into it at some point, I'm like, this is, this is a book. This is too much for, for an article. And uh, probably right around then when I realized like, okay, I'm, I'm going to make a run at this. And, uh, thankfully you know th things have uh, have worked out well in that department so yeah i guess at that point i was like so now it's my job you know i just have a, a follow-up question and and you know it's i know this stuff is important to us but why is it important for everyone else too and 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 you know i think you got we can consider you guys artists you're both musicians incredible writers and illustrators but you know what role do the does the artist play in in sort of revealing the liminal for everyone else? Hmm. So, well, I'm, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I'm a big proponent of the uh, the Jungian idea that people don't have ideas; ideas have people. Mm. And uh, I think if you really embark on any sort of a big project, even even something that's you know writing a, a speculative nonfiction book. Um, you're going to find that you are pushed around into creating more than you're actually creating yourself. Wow. It's just going to be like, this is just where this, this is just where this project goes. And I think that's for a lot of people, possibly a toehold into deconstructing, uh, you know, scientific physicalism, scientific, uh, materialism, which I am a long, long, uh, longstanding, uh, critic of. And I think that, uh, I think that if people can learn to adopt other philosophies besides that, it actually might lead to uh, a little bit more prosperity in terms of personal relationships than we have right now in the world. So that's sort of the that's sort of the giant you know ten thousand foot view uh, picture of why I I do a lot of this. Yeah. How about you, Timothy? Why is the strange important? Um, it's. I mean, this is tied into our lives. Uh, Josh and I both do a lot of comparative folklore. Um, I think it's one of the reasons we work so well together, we, we both love folklore from all over the world and we like finding the, the commonalities in these different things. And, you know, these, these, in my mind, these were our ancestors telling us how they relate to the world in, in all these folk stories. Now, some of them are very, very mundane, you know, th this plan will kill you, that plan will heal you, you know, 
but uh, as regards to this, this weird stuff, you know, it's, it's kind of our ancestors telling us like, hey, we saw this weird stuff. This is how we dealt with it. These are the, the rules, so to speak. Um, <laughs> this is what we found is, has worked and, and what hasn't and, in dealing with these things. So it's part of the human experience. And my entire life as an artist, I mean, I've always done, you know, quote unquote, supernatural art and and my music has always been about that in one form or another. Um, so it's it's kind of where I've lived uh, myself. It's just my interest, but it but it's it's part of humanity. It's I mean it's the same. You know, some people write love songs, and and those are extremely important. Um, but you know, my my part in this world, I think, is is uh, kind of messing with this supernatural, this weirdo, paranormal stuff, and and seeing how it fits in with with our lives. So I think it's part of the human experience. Short answer. Wow. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more High Strangeness and Bigfoot with uh, Josh and Tim. Things in the night, but yeah, people in the night too. And I man, it was the dark and the dark sought me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was weird. I was like, I was like, I felt very comfortable, like. Yeah, and it's just like you seek out these like really dark – like normally these dark corners in my backyard. I'm like, that's a little creepy. But it was like during those few days, I was like – I would go hang out in those corners and like maybe smoke a bowl or something. But that was that fucking was weird, very, man. Very brief goth phase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably just a goth phase. You're right. <laughs> well, now, Bryce – welcome back, listeners. We're talking to Joshua Cutchin and Timothy Renner about uh, the darkness and being scared of the dark, uh, which we were chatting during during the break. Uh, but, Bryce, now you're out in the woods. You're doing this for Expedition Bigfoot. And so – so, you know, and, and it seems, uh, you know, only two episodes in that you're out there with something. So what's your relationship to to the darkness and, and, and the woods now? Yeah, no, totally. So I was just telling the fellas about, you know, a few years back, I was slammed into what I can only describe by a mystical state. And I and I sought out the darkness, right? Like I really liked being in dark corners and 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 just being in the dark. But yeah, it's there's there's a relation and so now and i was always a, sort of afraid of the dark too and and but now it's like i really um there's a relationship that's 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 been able to uh fuse together right like you know being a person who's not seeking out the dark but then knowing that like you know it, if you want to find sort of strange things then then the dark has to be a part of it you know Bryce, we've never you've never mentioned this on the show. Is this that thing that you didn't want to tell us about a couple years ago? S- sort of, and then, uh, but not oh really, God, this, right? Like uh, I've I've got a few little things, uh, uh, but yeah, that was one of them, right? It was it was it was a really strange wow, guys. Uh, this, BCC listeners, this is a yeah. long this is a long standing secret plot thread mystery to the show. The tales of shadow, Bryce. Yeah, Bro, it really Bryce. was. It was it was really like experiencing a, a, a shadow world, right? And 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 uh, and and it was just a place where you could where information came faster, you know. Interesting. And uh, and, and it felt like verifiable. It, it felt like verifiable information. You're like, man. What I'm experiencing right now feels true. Well, you know? I, so I'm, I don't want to ignore our guests here, and please, that I, I encourage them to ask questions. But what were you? What information were you getting as Shadow Bryce? Like, what were you experiencing? Oh my gosh! Just like, uh, for, for just 
for lack of a better term, just like secrets of the universe. You know what I mean? You'd be like, you would just, you would feel like you had this relationship with chaos, right? As opposed to to order. And, and you got to see sort of this, this really divineness about, about chaos and, 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 and the darkness and the dark recesses and, and the unknown, you know, it's like, it was like a real place to explore ideas about, you know, just strange shit, like about who we are and, 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 you know, what's real. Uh, it was, it was a weird, weird time. Is this why you stopped smoking pot? That you no, know, my wife made me sm- stop smoking pot. But <laughs> Is it because uh, you were facing I, the chaos <laughs> behind your children's playhouse in the backyard? You know, it probably didn't help, but uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, uh, very, very crazy, very crazy. I mean, he's an endless well. He's a bottomless well of of fascination, Bryce Johnson. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> All right. Well, I, I I look forward to hearing more about this in in twenty twenty one. Tim, you mentioned, or I think Josh, Josh, you actually mentioned the story about Tim offering uh, a bottle of wine on a tree stump to, I'm, I'm going to assume Bigfoot. What's the story? Well, I didn't know what it was at this point. This all started out with the, what I mentioned previously. It's, it's in a local uh, park, which is uh, known locally as Hex Hollow because there was a very famous murder that occurred there that, that they called a hex murder had to do with the uh, supposed witchcraft. It wasn't really, but uh, supposed witchcraft and stuff. No, it was just an abusive man. <laughs> well, he's, he's just more, an evil man, an evil murderer. It has nothing more, to do with witchcraft. More of a faith healer. It's, it's a, it's a local sort of faith healing practice. It doesn't Whoa. involve like sympathetic magic and so forth, but uh, the guy wasn't a witch. Um, but in any case, um, it's this place is called Hex Hollow, and and I had originally, boy, this is it's again where this is a spider web. So <laughs> sorry if if it doesn't, uh, it's it's a little hard to tell linearly. Yeah, sorry, I opened Pandora's box on this. <laughs> <laughs> I love that analogy, by the way, though the spider web analogy for the paranormal. It's it's such a good way of. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, there's it. no other way because you you try to tell it linearly, and you're like, well, well, but wait, this relates to something that happened like over here, and and you know, two months previously, but I didn't realize it until three months later. And then I put sure, it on. Yeah. But, uh, I, I found this Karen, this stack of, of white quartz and, uh, rearranged it. And over the course of the better part of a year started, um, this, you know, my wife called it, uh, the game of chess, uh, the, the, where I, every time I would go to this and this, this is the closest park to my house. It's not wilderness. It's, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a rural area, but it's not, you know, wilderness is untouched land. This is, you know, people are here. Um, so it was odd to me. And every time I would come and I started going like two, sometimes three times a week, it would be changed and I would change it and be changed when I saw it again. So this, you know, takes place. And then I, I had that scary event I was talking about where I heard wood knocks, uh, what I assume was wood knocks. And then I was walking up to this area and then like, a whole murder of crows went nuts and flew over my head and went up there on this particular day, heard another sound that sounded like, um, I'm sorry, I heard a rock clack. And then, then I heard a wood knock sound when I got up to the, the area it sound from the opposite direction, what I thought was a wood knock. Then I was hit by this smell, this horrible smell. Then this, this fear took over my body, this intense fear. And, uh, I wanted to run. I wanted to run so bad and I couldn't cause my knees were locked up. The only thing I could do was lean on my walking stick. And, uh, 
it was at that point I thought, well, here, here comes your sighting. You know, I've, I've read enough Bigfoot accounts and, and heard enough or like, you know, you're about to see something, buddy, prepare yourself. And, uh, then I heard the sound like, like two or three little clicks, like, like sounded like little gears, like two little gears clicking together, like click, click, click from the direction where I heard that would knock. And, uh, all of the fear went away. The smell went away. Everything went away all at once. And I, w- I was able to sort of restock the rocks and, and go about my business. I, I found on the way out, uh, a trackway of, of what I call maybe footprints. They certainly mm-hmm. looked like footprints. There was a very light coating of snow. And uh, these came off of a game trail across the main trail and then up into a cornfield where I couldn't follow them anymore because the ground was too broken up. But uh, they, they certainly looked like footprints, but I, I can't say. I you know They weren't super distinct. In any case, uh, kept doing this 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 uh sort of rebuilding the cairn thing until one day i cut myself on the on the quartz it's really sharp quartz rock i cut myself on it i bled all over the the rocks and i thought oh boy this is this is gonna be (laughs) awesome like this is gonna it's gonna go nuts here now and uh never changed again that was the end of it that the 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 blood ended it It, it, there was no more after that So, so you know maybe i don't know another month or so goes by and i'm I'm in a different part of the same park i'm off trail so now i'm there's you know this other thing was at a trailhead it was easy to get to i don't think uh it was people in the end because of all the other strangers that accompanied it but it you know if you want to say it was people may maybe maybe it was people but this is a i found a stack of rocks of boulders really in the crotch of a tree um off trail this is completely off trail you can't see it from the trail you know, so you'd have to know it was there. And I, wow, this is, this is really, really interesting. So I, I said, I'm going to start adding to this. So I added rocks to that. Oh, wow. Every time I come back, they're cleaned off, completely cleaned off. The whatever rocks I, you put there. Whatever rocks I put there, it's cleaned off to the, there's like a stack of three rocks in the crotch of this tree. Oh, so no matter what I do to it, it's completely cleaned off. And this is an aside, this, this comes much later, but I, I took a, a friend of mine there. He's like, super strong guy like ex-military just just a beast of a human being and he and i'm telling him about it and he's like well we'll see and he picks up boulders he puts up like i couldn't even lift these things if i tried i'm a i'm a big guy i'm i'm over six foot tall and over 200 pounds i'm a i'm i'm a large fella and i there's no way i could put these things up this guy's a beast and he, he puts these what i call boulders on top of these next time i went cleared off back to the original three rocks so Whoa. had to be somebody at least as strong as him clearing them off if it's a person. But in any case, I started leaving food offerings there, um, which, you know, probably shouldn't have done, but I, but I did. And, and they often be gone and, and you go, well, squirrel or raccoon or whatever, you know, who knows what's going on there. And then I got the, the uh, bright idea to leave alcohol <laughs> and uh, i had this little glass bottle with a little cork in it and i, I filled it with wine and there's a hole down below where these rocks are stacked in the in the crotch of this tree that uh you know someone with a smaller hand than mine could fit their hand in there i, I couldn't so I, I dropped it in there and i asked out loud uh and and i i'd asked out loud for other things in this park uh after reading Mike Clellan's book, The Messengers About Owls, one day I had I had read in his book about people who this woman who every time she wanted to see an owl, she'd just say to the woods, "I'd like to see an owl today," and then she'd go on her walk and she'd see an owl. Wow! I, I thought I'd try that, but 
I didn't want an owl. I, I wanted antlers. I wanted to find antlers. So I said to the woods this day, I would like to see antlers today. This is there no offering involved. This is just me, like just being crazy, get out of my car, trying weird stuff. I go on, on my hike. I'm actually going up to the, the chessboard on this day and I see something white in the tree off the trail. And, and I look and I think it's somebody, a lot of times people leave their trash around. I thought it was a plastic bag and I bop off the trail to, cause I, I clean up. I feel, I, I'm weird. I, I feel like it's my responsibility to, to clean the trash up in the park. Cause I use it so much. So I'm know. thinking I'm angry. I'm thinking like, I'm going to have to, you know, somebody's diaper they put in a bag or, or maybe their dog excrement. You find that sometimes, or sometimes hunters will leave trash around. Uh, I'm sort of angry about it and, and trying to figure out who tied this bag up in a tree. And I get closer to it and I realize it's the entire tail section, the entire tail section of a, of a barn owl, bright white. And I had asked for antlers and I got an owl anyway that wow. day. It was really, really strange and, and, and very odd. And it was like, like I said, the, the whole tail section wasn't a single feather. In any case, uh, back to this day, I leave the alcohol. So, so having had success before, I'd left the alcohol and I set out to the woods like a crazy person. I would like to find a skull today. And uh, I walked from there about 100, 200 yards maybe into the middle of this field. And there's this circle of trees that I'd never been in before. I'd, I'd hiked this park hundreds, if not a thousand times before. And I'd never been in this, in these trees. And I thought, wow, that's neat. I'm going to, I'm going to go over there. And it's almost a perfect circle of trees in the middle of this, this field. I walk into the, the trees and there's a, a large stone mound in the middle of the trees. And, and, and well, you know, I've referred to this as a fairy fort and, and Josh spanked me and said, I'm not allowed to call it a fairy fort because we don't have fairy forts in America. Mm. But were this in Ireland, it would be a fairy fort. <laughs> like we do now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, so I said, oh, I'm going to climb to the top of this and look around. And as I'm going up this, this large mound of stones, I start seeing little bits of fur. And then uh, blood. And then I get to a freshly decapitated groundhog head. I had the jaw ripped from it. Whoa. And it's at this point I realize... I asked for a skull and I got a skull. Now I, my hope was a nice clean one. Cause I don't like gore. I'm not a fan of gore. I don't, I like these nice clean, you know, I'm an artist. I like to draw skulls. I've been collecting my entire life. I wanted a nice clean sun bleached skull. That is not what I got. This was mm. a gory, freshly ripped off groundhog head. The, the jaw had been ripped from the, from the other part of the head. It's all laying there. And uh, no body. There's no no body of the groundhog. It's just the head. And it hits me. I asked for a skull 10 minutes ago, and I got a skull. And I got this really oppressive feeling, just this, this really just oppressive feeling. And I backed out of this circle of trees. I'm literally backing out of it, like keeping my eye on it and uh, sort of walking half half backwards you know and as i keep looking at him i'm completely stunned at this point and i back my way out of the field in the opposite direction from which i i came and i stopped and i realized where i was was i, I was at my first chessboard, that first place i was uh you know doing doing the exchanges for and uh where this circle of trees was was at least where it sounded like i heard that that would not come from that day way back when 
And uh, it was just this really, really oppressive, really sickening feeling. It wasn't, it wasn't a good feeling at all. It, it, I, I didn't like it. And uh, I came there maybe, I stopped going there <laughs> so much because it was just, like I said, it wasn't a pleasant feeling at all. But I did, I did hike there again a couple more times. And I would check for that wine bottle. And the next time I went, it was gone. And the time I came back after that, it was there. I could see it in the hole. I couldn't reach it. And then every time since I've looked for it, it's not been in there. It's not mm. been in the hole. Uh, the, so maybe I went two other times after that, probably the third time after coming, after after finding the groundhog skull, which I did not take, which is a, a big no-no. You don't ask for things when you're doing this. This is This is according to folklore. If you do ask for th- something and it's given to you, uh, our ancestors say, make damn sure you take it because yeah, you're, right. you're going to offend them if you don't. And so I, this is on me. I made the mistake. So I was doing a podcast. I was doing uh, okay. Talk the night before the last time I went, well, not the lab been there several times since, but the, you know, as far as the story goes, and we were talking about several things in the course of this podcast. One of them was uh, just a folk story, how to catch raccoons. You put something shiny in a bottle and the raccoon will reach in, but it can't pull it out. You know, if you put coins or something in, a, in an old jug and you'll find them in the morning with his hand holding the shiny thing. And, you know, that's how you catch raccoons. It's an old, old folk, uh, kind of country folk story. And then we talked about how when you mess with this stuff, when you mess with the other, it's it's like putting on the one ring from, from Lord of the Rings. And it's like the great eye of Sauron turns and looks at you, you know, when you start yeah. with this. And finally, uh, we talked about uh, the Small Town Monsters films, which are directed by Seth Breedlove. And we, we actually yeah. mentioned Breedlove by name. So I go with my son this day. In fact, I, I got off the phone with with the guy from OK Talk, Clint, uh, because I promised my son we'd go hiking the next day. So I was like, look, I, I got to cut this off because, uh, you know, I told my son we, we'd go for a hike. So following day is rainy, but, you know, it, it was a warm day. We decided to go anyway. And we go on this hike. And we parked at the parking lot that's actually called the Crossroads parking lot. It's, it's at a crossroads. Uh, so starts the story starts at a crossroads as far as that day goes. We do our little hike and we got to the point where we're circling back to my vehicle. And I told my son, I said, well, do you want to take like the main way back or we can take the side trail? And he always takes the, the path less traveled. He, he likes, you know, going more, uh, the, the, the more, uh, rural or or wild the path the, the the happier he is so we go down this path and um i see him stop he's he's in much better shape than i am so he's usually about you know 20 yards if not more ahead of me i see him stop and, and straighten up at this this uh, kind of fork in the trail and i reach up to him i was like what do you see and he said uh i think that's a raccoon up there and I looked and, and sure enough, it was, it was a raccoon. And, uh, he took, a, he took another step towards us. I said, no, 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 no. We're not, we're going to take another trail here, buddy. <laughs> it shouldn't be out during the day. And, uh, he turned around and as he did, this thing just started barreling at us and it's, it's hissing and growling and making all kinds of noise. And so I told him at that point, I said, run. And, I started, raccoon is doing this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just snarling and, and hissing and, and just coming, barreling full speed at us. Yikes. And I started running. I, I took one look back. and like, I'm not outrunning this thing. This, this, you know, so 
The only thing I could do is put myself between it and and my son. And when I hike, I I I carry for what is all intents and purposes a, a wizard staff. Um, it's a walking stick, but it's nice and thick. I, I, I need. <laughs> we we all know what it really is. Yeah, we, know. <laughs> we know why you have it. <laughs> it's all good. I have one of those too. It's, yes, it's covered with protection symbols and so forth. But uh, nice. So. I just, you know, and this is through no skill that I know of, unless I'm just inherently, you know, great at, at uh, you know, smashing things with a walking stick. Um, I was able to break this thing's back before it got to me. Just my, the, the first, Whoa. the first hit, I broke its back and and stopped it. You shall not pass. <laughs> exactly. Hundred percent. So 100%. after I catch up to my son, I said. My only regret is I didn't yell, you shall not pass, as I brought my stick down on this, on this foul beast. Well, later it hits me that we've been talking about Lord of the Rings the night before. Then Wait, it hits the, me. Is we, the raccoon dead? Did, is, did, is he dead? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He didn't pass. Then, All right. Then it hits uh, even, me. Even for a rabid, evil raccoon, I don't want it to suffer. <laughs> yeah. well, well, he did. It was quick. Okay. Then, okay. It, then it hits me that we were talking about uh, catching raccoons. The night before. Mm. So then we go back to the crossroads parking lot and, and, you know, I've had a lot to think about this experience in the, in the time. And there were, there were families in the park that day. There was a, a woman who, who jogged by like literally the same path right after, you know, minutes after this happened. Um, so she was in no way prepared for that. These, these families that were there with their kids were in no way prepared for that. Uh, if it had to happen to anybody that day, I was, I was the person that was, you know, kind of most prepared for this to happen, I suppose. So, you know, I, I hate to say I'm glad it happened to me, but if it, if it happened to anybody there that day, I guess it was better. It happened to me. But anyway, we get back to the, to the crossroads parking lot and I call the park ranger and they say, okay, we'll send somebody out. And uh, the ranger shows up and you can look this up on York County parks website. There's a ranger named Breedlove. And the, the name no tag on the ranger is breed love. And I see that and my heart just sinks. And it was the most, I mean, it was just the most oppressive feeling. Uh, it, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. And I just thought. So you're seeing all these synchronicities. Yeah, you're steeped in the world them, of synchronicity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's, you're seeing them as negative signs because you tracing back to the actions of like not taking well, that skull. Well, because exactly. shit's going down. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I, this was me getting my butt smacked for, for breaking the rules of folklore. For, for A, for asking for things to begin with. And B, for, for you know, when I was given what I was asked for, for not taking it. And I, I really feel like... Uh, you know, it all wove together. I mean, and that's just my feeling. I, I you know, I can't prove any of this. It's just my, my gut feeling God, as regards man. it. And, and it was, it was very heavy. And it took me a long time before I went back there. I've been hiking there again recently and things seem okay, but uh, it's, it, it, yeah, it was just not a, not a happy time. That's I an incredible this, story, man. I want this story to serve as a reminder to our listeners, all, you know, uh, aside from all the warnings that come with this story, um, there is no such thing as boredom. Okay, because you can turn a day or two at the park into an adventure. All right. So, okay, maybe we shouldn't be interacting with folklore and nature this way, but isn't it so much more exciting than just being bored? I don't know. I like, I love. I mean, you tell me not to do this stuff, and I'm like, well, now I kind of want to go do it. Well, <laughs> again, what, what I will say is, is 
with gifting, like in my experience, you will get results, but I would not do food and I wouldn't ask for things. So find other things, rocks, pebbles, shiny things. What's it, what's at stake, Tim? What's at the ultimate stake when it, when it does. And if it does go wrong, you know, what the other side of that is I wasn't hurt. Right. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I, I didn't get, I mean, I had to get rabies shots because I had open cuts on my legs um, because I was hiking in shorts and I got into thorns and stuff before. Uh, but you know, so just for, for the safety aspect of it, I did have to get rabies shots, but I, I didn't really get attacked. I didn't get bitten. I was able to stop it. It, you know, didn't get by me or get to my son or anything. So, you know, the other aspect of it is, is, you know, it didn't really go horribly wrong. I think, I think it was more of a, like I said, a smack on the ass telling me like, Hey, you've done wrong here. Um, you know, just talking to witnesses, I've had some witnesses who've had some horrible, horrible things happen as regards the other who, whose lives have been changed Right. You know, forever and who have uh i'm not a i'm not a psychologist but you know i can't diagnose it but what, what i would assume would be ptsd from from what they're telling me a hundred percent yeah uh so you know this stuff can go sideways and it can go sideways quickly so well in the book in the in volume one you guys give examples of people who started taking coolers out to areas and offering uh food to bigfoot you know, as a gift. And then once they stop doing that, there's suddenly activity happening at their house where like stones Mm -hmm. are being thrown at them or people's dogs turn up dead, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff where it's like, you really are asking to engage with something that if you don't maintain that relationship, um, when you cut it off, uh, they might come, come after you or their friends will. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, my advice would be to people to like, like, look at the, the quote unquote rules. Look, look what they tell you in folklore to do and and not to do as regards this stuff. Um, I think there's there's a reason that stuff survived. It's because it it in general it works. Um, I would be real careful. Like I said, I wouldn't do it at my house. I yeah. I have no no problem with with uh, you know I, I still will practice gifting, but like I said, I, it's not food, and I don't ask for things. And then and then uh, I got some very good advice. Uh, from Brother Richard, who's a, who's a monk that uh, has appeared on Strange Familiars, who um, has uh, done some some very interesting work as regards to stuff, including participating in exorcisms and and things like that. And uh, his advice to me was that uh, you know don't get obsessed with it. Um, and those gifts are not are not permanent gifts. So if you're if you're gifted anything, that doesn't go in your collection. That goes in a pile to regift somewhere else at some point. Bryce, I hope you know where you're that yeah, I got some is, shit. Buddy. I got some work to do tonight. <laughs> uh, Joshua, I want to bring it back to 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 you real quick. And, and you know, I know right before the break, Riley kind of asked, where does where does folklore turn into fact? And then to sort of go on what we're talking about, the dangerous elements. You know, when does this stuff get get nasty? And and to even add to that, like. You know what? What's your take on this whole missing four one one stuff? Well, Bryce, one well, question at a time. Okay, well, I, mean, I, I think my you question. Can, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love I'm, you. I love, I'm interested I in it. your. I'm interested in your take on 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 sort of you know because I do think there's a phenomenon taking place in these in these parks and 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 these people that go missing mysteriously. I I do think there's something to it. And I, I don't know, I guess since we're talking about the dangerous elements of this stuff, uh, what's your take on that, Joshua? Well, as, as Tim has alluded to uh, in the past, you know, folklore oftentimes is just a 
convenient way of sort of passing on real quite practical knowledge. You know, the, the way that it's described might not be subject to literal interpretation, but, uh, the, the the end result is like you know don't eat that berry no it's not because it's possessed by a demon but it is poisonous <laughs> you know, right that sort of thing. right that's that's what that's what uh, that's what Tim would say and I, I tend to believe it um, you know I'm not entirely sure I go back and forth on the danger of these things uh, not in terms of uh, whether or not there is danger because there is you know tangible danger it's definitely something that happens um, but you know, I'm not entirely sure how often it is uh, malicious. Sometimes I think that whatever this other intelligence that we're dealing with, and I keep it sort of umbrellaed like that, um, because I do think that it's, uh, I do think that we're seeing a lot of the same thing reflected in diff- these different topics. I'm not sure that if sometimes what we're seeing is not something like, you know, a kid playing with a butterfly <laughs> and playing a mm-hmm. little bit too roughly with it. Or, you know, to use another animal kingdom metaphor, uh, you know, a shark. You know, the shark isn't evil. The shark doesn't hate you. But a shark is going to do uh, what a shark is meant to do. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I think that those those are two things to sort of be wary of. Um I would say, you know, anyone who's interested in looking at this stuff, make sure that you're prepared to have it look back at you. Um, doesn't look back at me very often, knock on wood. Um, <laughs> but I, it, it happens far too often for me to say that it's not uh, a recurring theme. Uh, as far as the missing 411 thing goes, you know, I've said a lot of times that I, I think that it, the missing 411 phenomena really is a paranormal Rorschach test. Wow. Um, you know, and, and it's so... I, I realize fully the irony of me saying it's mostly, you know, fairy phenomena <laughs> because that says a lot more about me than it does about the phenomena. <laughs> uh, I will say that I think that the most, uh, the most consistent suite of folklore that, uh, that aligns with the missing 411 stuff is, is indeed a lot of the fairy phenomena. But again, I don't think that the fairy phenomena was necessarily describing fairy uh, folk. I think it was just another way to describe this other intelligence that we interface with. But, you know, wow. within, within a lot of that, especially Western European, even though fairy folklore is worldwide um, and it's strikingly consistent worldwide, a lot of that sort of Western European folklore warns against wearing the color red. It warns against, uh, you know, uh, the dangers of finding yourself in a boulder field or, you know, around yeah. running water because that's where the fairies live. It warns you, um, you know, it warns you against, uh, you know, storms being a, a component of how the fairies travel. And of course, a lot of these other world entities travel and a lot of medieval epics, the way that you would actually mark passage into the other world was through a fog or a storm or a blizzard or something. So that's entirely consistent with these people sort of lapsing out of our reality into another one. Uh, you know, one of the things that I found most interesting was um, uh, whenever someone was to encounter the Minahune, uh, which are roughly speaking uh, sort of Hawaiian analogs to the fairy folk, um, that you would be instructed to, you know, strip naked and and, and plant yourself face down in the wow. dirt, uh, and which is exactly the way that a lot of people were found in the missing four one one stuff. So, yeah, uh, I I think that it's a pretty consistent, uh, pretty consistent set of markers for that phenomena. But at the same time, I don't think I I don't feel comfortable saying well, missing four one one is because of fairies. You know, I think of it's course, of course, of, I think it's because of probably because of this other that we're dealing with. But what that other's true face is, I'm not entirely sure. Um, my, my favorite, uh, when you guys read Passport to Magonia, was it one of the, the newer versions with the cover? 
with the uh, yeah the yes. alien. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So what's great about that cover? It's got, it's got the gray alien with like three masks, and one's a robot, and one's a fairy queen, and one's a demon or whatever. Yeah, love that. And uh, the actual original artwork for that reveals that the gray alien itself is a hand puppet and the actual puppeteer is off outside the frame. Right. And I oh, really wow. love the elegance of that as a metaphor. Like that's that kind of sums up. That's it, uh, man. Exactly. Yeah, exactly how I feel. Yeah, I knew so there was a you... reason I asked you that question. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the answer I wanted. You're right. I mean, it's like, <laughs> no, that's it, right? That's it's like this, this phenomenon, these markers are still... There, it's still happening, right? It never went away. Um, you know, it might have changed. It might have morphed. It might be, you know, it, it might have new symptoms and signs. But man, that all—it's still going on. Yep. Well, we are sadly running out of time. But before we wrap up, I want to ask you guys about this other. What is this thing? This—is it a trickster? intelligence is it a fifth dimensional consciousness what is our the creator thing, could be anything what is the thing that you guys is that the that is looking back at us when we're when we go looking at it i'm going to borrow from terrence mckenna and uh describe it as an ecology of souls hmm. um, i know that's kind of a little bit of a sidestep. I could say something about dimensions, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, how many angels can dance on the head of your pen? Right. You know, I really don't think that that actually answers the question any more uh, accurately or any more concisely than saying that it really does have something to do with the barrier between the physical and the non-physical and the barrier between the material and the spiritual. Uh, and that's sort of where I am and sort of one of the projects that I'm working on right now is parsing out those ideas. Wow. So this Love might that. all be just communication with uh the spirit realm. <sighs> you know, I I'm yeah, yeah, that's actually so That's a fair answer. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, and so, then yeah. to add on to what McKenna's quote, I mean, the ecology of souls, it sort of hints at that even though it can split off into into personality and into individualism, it's really like a like a free-flowing miasma, you know, uh almost like a collective, you know, it, it has its own, it has its own thing going on. Right. So is it really Aunt Tilly or is Aunt Tilly just a, a another splinter of, of, of this sort of, you know, this ecology of mm -hmm. collective souls, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think of something that, that I listened to one of his old uh, interviews that, or one of his old lectures that really stuck with me. Um, and he, he makes reference to uh, his belief at the time, because, you know, it's always ever changing, but his belief that the DMT realm, the DMT function is sort of a bungee into the bardo. <laughs> and uh, I really, I really like that idea, because if you look at some of these similarities, you can, you can trace a line. That's what I'm doing right now in, in my work is you can trace a line through fairies and the dead and shamanic states and burial mounds and the wild hunt and ley lines and the abduction experience. And all this stuff really does seem to sort of have at, at its pivot point this idea of this you know this this phase change between souls as they enter or leave whatever this plane of, of existence is god well we look forward to that tim I, what about you what what's this what's the other in your mind well i think ecology is is a good word because there i think there's an there's an ecosystem out there and i think that people will tend to get wrapped up in this idea that you know everything is demons when, when no, there's 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 good and there's bad out there, and there's everything in between, and I think that's that's why that word ecology is is a good one for it because there's there's a lot out there, you know, 
as someone who who constantly you know because it's my job now constantly dealing with this uh either in the form of interviewing witnesses or or you know on my own or or writing about it etc you hear a lot of people say well it's all fairies or, or it's all the jinn and that explains it. Or it's all the fairies that explains it. Or it's, it's all poltergeist that explains it. And to them, I say, yes, <laughs> yes, it, it is all the jinn and it is all the poltergeist and it is all fairies. It's, you know, all of the above and, and more. Uh, so, you know, Josh probably said it more eloquently than I did, but, but, you know, I tend to agree with that idea there. There's something, there's something other. I don't think it's all necessarily one thing, but uh, there seems to be so much in common between the Bigfoot phenomena and poltergeist phenomena and, you know, alien abduction phenomena and so forth that I can no longer personally entirely separate them. Wow. Well, you know what we love about guys like you is, is you know, you're helping us burrow closer to the truth. And for that, we thank you so much. Uh yeah, I mean that's incredible. God, we're going to have to have you guys back hopefully in the in the, in the future so we can continue this uh incredible conversation. Well, we won't say goodbye quite just yet, you guys, because there's a game that we like to play with all yes. of our guests. And I think that we should wrap up today's episode with this game because our listeners would be disappointed if we didn't play it with the two of you. Uh I'm going to go down a list of phenomena, and if you're open to it, you're going to say believe it, even if you're not, you know, 100% there. If you're not open to it, you're going to say bullshit. This okay. is BCC, Par- this I'm going to be a paranormal slut. Here we go. Yeah, no, this, yeah. this is BCC's own Rorschach test. So, so th- th- this is a game that we like to call bullshit or believe it. All right, Josh and Tim, on your mark, get set, ghosts. Believe it. Believe it. But UFO. not necessarily the spirits of the dead. Yes, same, same with Tim. <laughs> UFOs. Believe it. Sure, absolutely. But not necessarily extraterrestrials. <laughs> there you go. I think we know where this is headed. <laughs> the qualifiers big, around. Big, yeah. And if there's anything, we can always come back to it. Bigfoot. Believe thousand, it. Thousand percent believe it, but don't think it's a undiscovered monkey. ESP. Believe it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, believe, sure. it, believe it more than anything else on this list, actually. Well, I haven't gotten to unicorns yet. <laughs> he knows because ESP. Shadow people. Believe it. Yeah, I've, I've sure I've heard enough tales. Yeah. Unicorns. Bullshit. <laughs> uh, Josh, you know you're going to see a unicorn. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I am um, right. You're going to walk up in your backyard. And you're going to be like, shit. Alien abductions. Believe it. Believe it, but I don't think you leave your bed. Yeti. But you should believe it. I mean, yeah, sure. it's a, yeah, under the Bigfoot umbrella, absolutely. Mothman. Believe it. Probably not a flesh and blood cryptid. Uh, yeah, believe it. Can't can't be a flesh and blood cryptid. They might <laughs> yeah. cannot be. Out of body experiences. Well, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Tarot cards. I've seen tarot Ooh. cards. I know they exist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for that answer, and no one's done that. <laughs> uh. Um. Uh, retroactive bias. <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> I, so, well, I, don't, I don't know. I, have you good. have you seen uh, Josh? Have you seen uh, like um, uh, Jodorowsky? Uh, have you seen him his uh, documentary where he does a tarot? I have not. 
Absolutely worth checking out. Uh, he's not. He he says the future is shit. I do not tell the future, but he uses them as a sort of a psychological device, and it's pretty amazing to watch. Yeah, I guess that should be my qualifier. Is is I I think it might. I think people use a lot of it in the wrong way. But as far as it being a a, a device to parse something objective, yeah, sure, believe it. Demonically possessed dolls. <laughs> oh boy. Ah. Uh. I, I do so many of these paranormal conventions and so many people have their collection of, of haunted dolls. They bring any, <laughs> any poor sad old doll that looks vaguely spooky is, is haunted these days. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could happen, but most of these things, no, they're just, they're just dolls. Uh, believe it on rare occasions. How about that? The healing power of crystals. Ooh, bullshit ish. I mean, <laughs> here's but here's the thing: like, if someone believes that a crystal will heal them, and they're using and they're tapping into to a placebo effect, it's not the crystal, but it's their belief in the crystal. So Bingo. I'm gonna have to go with bullshit Love from that liter- from the literal interpretation. Bullshit. That, that I'll agree 100 percent with what Josh said. So my alien... Star Wars figures can act as a crystal. Yeah, man, they're those yeah, crystals. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I put yeah. them all over my naked body when I have a fever. Honda Baba broke my fever. Walrus Man is, is my thermometer. Um, an alien spacecraft crashed at Roswell. Uh, I'm going to go with bullshit, actually. Yeah, I, I, I do not believe that. Loch Ness Monster. Believe it, not a cryptid. Yeah, there's there's something there, but uh, I, I don't think it's an undiscovered dinosaur or something. Dinosaur ghost. Atlantis. <laughs> Atlantis. Uh, believe it, agnostic. I can't pick agnostic, can I? I, believe, I sure believe it. Why not? Yeah, I think I think I believe. I mean, there was something like that. I don't I don't know yeah. exactly what the new age people think it was, but haunted houses. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I know where this is going to go, but Skunk Ape. Believe it. It's it's under the Bigfoot umbrella, yes. The Jersey Devil. Bullshit, actually. I I put it in the same category as as Mothman. I think people are seeing something, but it's it's not some kind of, you know, you're not going to find a nest with Mothman eggs in it, and you're not going to find a baby Jersey Devil anywhere. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The Biblical Devil. Believe it, yeah. Uh, I, I, the devil's going to show up in your backyard. I, I know what I know where Tim's coming from is because if you take the face value of each of these, like half of them become bullshit, right? Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, yes, I, I, I guess, but again, I think people have strange interpretations of this stuff that that's informed by you know, pop culture and everything else. And they don't quite get it, but uh, sure. And we'll say yes. Speaking to the dead. Believe it. Yes. Believe it. Mermaids. Or Mersquatch. You might want to change that one to Mersquatch in honor of uh, Footprints End. Bullshit. In In the way that you mean it, bullshit. Um, yeah, I guess I, I, you know, again, it's like the unicorn, like the minute you say like, no, this is the the one's going to visit you. But, uh, uh, you know, as, as people understand mermaids, we'll say, yeah. 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 
The government is hiding the truth about Sasquatch. Bullshit. <laughs> Thousand percent bullshit. They don't know shit. Yeah. <laughs> Past lives. Believe it. Yeah. The work of Ian Stevenson is really compelling. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, I've read some interesting stuff. I'll, I'll say believe it. With I, I, There's a caveat to every one of these, but yeah, just basically believe it. Sure. Life on other planets. Sure. If, if, if there's life here, I'm sure. And there's yeah, you know, almost limitless number of other planets. I mean, they found life on Mars, didn't they? When they find bacteria. Yeah. Yep, pretty much. Uh, life after death. Believe it. Yeah. Caveat. Yeah, caveat. <laughs> yeah, yeah ca- caveat, but yes. I think we put an asterisk to each one of these. This is fantastic. Uh, guys, you just passed bullshit or believe it. Great job. <laughs> I didn't know there was a, it. it was a pass fail. I'm glad. Well, you got through it. That's all that really matters. Um, but yeah, I love it. Yeah. I also love when people go, well, not the way you mean it. And it's like, well, I'm just putting the word out there. I don't actually mean it in any necessarily in any way. Right. But that to me is the fun of it is unpacking what these symbolically mean to people. So yeah. That, that, um, just quickly, I, I interviewed a guest on the podcast recently and she was very in, interested in, in fairy lore. And she was telling me that she always told people like, you know, the Tinkerbell type fairy is complete bullshit. And that's the you know, creation of Victorian times and blah, blah, blah. And, and lo and behold, you know, a week after she, she tells people this, uh, she's in her backyard and, these weird lights come out of the woods and, and inside one of these lights, she sees this little like Tinkerbell, Tinkerbell type fairy no as if, as if to tell her like, you know, you don't know. <laughs> yeah. I guess the way to see something cool is say you don't believe in it. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe that's the key. All right. Uh, Josh, Tim, we don't really know where to find Bigfoot, but where can our listeners find you and find your books? Where the footprints end, both volumes are on Amazon. Um, all of our other books, I'll go ahead and speak for Josh. All of our other books are there as well. If you look up Joshua Cutchin or if you look up Timothy Renner, you'll get you'll get all of our books. I do have a book that's not available on Amazon. It's a book of my artwork. If you like my illustrations, it's called Apparitions, Illustrations of the Other. And that is available directly from me. All of my contact information is at strangefamiliars.com. It's uh, where my podcast is, but any any contact information for that goes right to me. Uh, you can find me at joshuacutchin.com, J-O-S-H-U-A-C-U-T-C-H-I-N.com. And as Tim said, uh, all of my books are available on Amazon, but I uh, am certainly, uh, with the exception of where the footprint's in, which is because it was printed through them, it's the only place to get it, uh, I definitely advocate for people to uh, go through any other sort of, <laughs> any other option that they Indiebound.org, we're always plugging that yep. for people and if they help support their local bookshop uh, during this time as well. And I believe that you can reach out to Timothy or I um, for autographed copies of our books directly from us as well. Awesome. Fantastic. Uh, and of course, you can find us at Bigfoot Collectors Club on Instagram, uh, at Bigfoot Pod on Twitter. Uh, write to us with your own paranormal encounters at Bigfoot Cl- or Bigfoot Collectors Club at gmail.com. And please do us a favor go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five star review. If you do, we might read it here on the show, just like this one that says, Wow, five stars. Such a great podcast. Michael, Riley, and Bryce are interesting and hilarious. Can't get enough. Thank you to Slocrates22 for that review. Uh, before we say goodbye, Bryce, Riley, anything to plug? Um, you know what? We just entered a new promo code for my new game, Dirty Picture Cover-Up. If you type in the promo code BCCDPCU, you will get 15% off. So oh, shit. Uh, use that and uh, get yours today. 
Fantastic. And uh, I would just say we're still in the pre-sale for the new Sprint of Record at alternativetentacles.com. You can pre-order it on vinyl or CD. It comes with a cool limited edition t-shirt. Alternative Tentacles is a super rad historic label, and we're really uh, excited to be releasing with them. I'm going to go ahead and plug Where the Footprints End, Volume 1 and 2, even though I haven't read it yet. Definitely check out Tim and Josh's work. It's it's great. Uh, and we'll... Boys, uh, gentlemen, we'll definitely have you back on the show sometime. Thank you so much for being here uh, tonight. We really appreciate it. Thanks yeah, for having us. We are all huge awesome. fans, truly. What a Absolute treat. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, y'all. Great. Thank you so much. All right, listeners, we'll be back next week. Until then, good night. And go get regressed. All right. Thank you so much, you guys. That was that true, Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.